This episode of Pop Health Week on Healthcare Now Radio is brought to you by Health Innovation Media. Welcome everyone, I'm Greg Masters, Managing Director of Health Innovation Media and the producer co-host of Pop Health Week. Connect with us by www.popupstudio.productions or follow and direct message me on Twitter via at Greg Masters MPH and that's Greg with two G's. Joining me in the virtual studio is co-founder and principal co-host of Pop Health Week, Fred Goldstein, president of Accountable Health, LLC. Pop Health Week engages top industry talent spanning health systems, health plans, physician enterprises, joint ventures, employer purchasing coalitions or alliances, and the regulatory community in population health best practices and strategies. On today's episode, our guest is Arita Roman, the Vice President for Value-Based Strategies at Humana, perhaps the best-in-class Medicare Advantage operator in the United States. She leads the organizational advancement of innovative payment models that enable Humana to support providers as population health managers in value-based care relationships. Humana's value-based strategies organization develops, supports, and deploys the best programs, practices, and capabilities that assist Humana's provider partners and internal customers to successfully achieve enterprise-wide value-based goals. And with that introduction, Fred, over to you. Thanks so much, Greg and Arita. Welcome to Pop Health Week. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's really a pleasure to get you on. I'm very interested in what we're going to be discussing today. Fantastic to watch companies uh, move into this space rather rapidly. So why don't we start, give the audience a little sense of your background. Absolutely. I am currently the Vice President of National Value-Based Strategies for Humana. Prior to that role, I worked for four years with provider groups that were trying to work in value-based strategies and... Um, Additionally, I had 18 years of experience with Humana in different roles, uh, trying to bring value-based care throughout the the country in that role. So I have been doing this work for a long time, and it's great to see where we are today. Yeah, I know we're going to get into some of that as we talk through this. So one of the things I've noticed over the years, I've worked some with Humana here locally, not in a formal relationship, but with their Bold Goal program and helping that get launched. They've been doing that around the the country. And obviously, value-based care is a critical component of where we're trying to get to in healthcare. Where is Humana from a broader sense in looking at value-based care, and what are they looking at? Yeah, so I'll start with our high-level numbers, which show that 68, slightly over 68% of our Medicare Advantage members are aligned to a value-based primary care um, provider. And, you know, you might say, well, what does, you know, 68% mean? Um, And that means that there are 3 million Humana MA members that are aligned with a value-based care provider. And, And, you know, why is that figure important to us? And it's because we see that as our members are seen by value-based care providers, several really good things happen. We see that their um, preventative measures um, go up. We see that members that are aligned with a value-based care provider receive 
more preventative screenings, more um, things like A1C or diabetes screenings. They have um, higher patient safety scores. That in turn leads to things like lower inpatient admission. So our, our patients, our members that are aligned with a value-based provider have 7% lower admissions and members that are aligned to a non-value-based provider, 12% lower emergency room visits, um, and significant savings in, in overall medical costs as a result for that. The second is what do these relationships mean for our providers? Because it takes work for providers to get these results for their patients, our members. Um, so we look at how do providers feel uh, in these models working with us. And what we see is our value-based providers have 10% higher physician engagement scores than providers that don't have these models. Um, they also receive more of the healthcare dollars. So one of the things that you know, those of us that have spent a lot of time in healthcare know is that primary care physicians tend to be underpaid and they don't have the resources to provide the kind of care that they would want to. Providers in these models are earning with our Humana models about 2.6 times the amount of reimbursement that non-value-based providers are. So what we see and why we're so committed to it is it's good for our members and it is also good for, for our providers. So it's definitely a win-win. A and when you say value-based care for these primary care physicians, what are you talking about? Maybe what's the range of that? Yep. So we have a, a full continuum of models available for our providers. We, you know, the, the continuum starts with simple models where providers receive a quality payment for doing things like seeing their patients, administering screenings. So we realize that tracking patients and making sure that they're being seen regularly, making sure that they're getting all of the preventative care that they should get, that takes effort from providers. So some of our models start very simply with just providing additional funding for our providers to do those things. And then we move into models where we can pay a, a monthly capitation or care coordination fee where it becomes a package of things that providers start doing and they're getting regular income to do that. Eventually move, we move into models where we're sharing the financial results um, of the work that they're doing. So we're sharing surpluses um, or, you know, and some providers when they move into what's called full value, they take financial responsibility for both surpluses and deficits for the members that are attributed to them and they do that because they you know usually assume that as they take care of them more comprehensively they will see financial benefit from that so in, in the case of those on that far end of the spectrum doing what global capitation or something like that is that i know that humana has their own own primary care networks and then they obviously independence that you build out that network are you seeing the majority of that within your system or is that also done outside as well? It, it is both inside our system and outside of our system. So I, I shared earlier 
that about 68% of our members are aligned with a value-based care provider. And that two-thirds of the population using rough math, a third of them are in surplus only or lower uh, models of value-based care. And then a third of them or half of that 68% are aligned with full value providers. So we have, you know, both national groups and local groups that participate in those models. And, and where you are uh, in Florida, it's almost every provider participates in that model. Yeah, I know some of the providers in it as well. It's been fascinating to watch that and their growth and experience with it and success with it as well, as you've talked about. Um, and so are you seeing differences between the two groups as you look at that? So starting with the differences between our more advanced value-based providers and our and our less advanced providers, we do see that as providers move along the value-based continuum, their ability um, to impact our members' health and outcomes increases. Um, you know, and a lot of times that comes from they are able to invest in systems and workflows within their practices where they're able to really engage with their patients and help them stay well, uh, help them stay home, help them stay out of, of the hospital. So we see that as providers have more experience, they tend their results continue um, to improve. And then, you know, a slightly different way to look at that question is do we see differences um, you know, between our internal providers, i.e. center well and providers that we just contract with. And what we and we find that our, you know, providers that are at the most experienced level in center well is one of those groups, but those providers tend to perform, you know, the, the in within a range within that group, but our most advanced providers, whether they are ours or they are externally, you know, external providers, they tend to have great performance. And obviously moving to these higher levels of risk require a fair amount of sophistication, technology, reporting, and analytics. What sort of services do you assist them with? So we have a population health platform. It's called Population Insights Compass, and it provides basically all the information that we have for the patients that are attributed to a, a provider group. So it has everything from what screenings and preventative measures are they missing that you know the, a provider can can schedule or prescribe for a patient. It has all of the financial information, everything about every claim that has been paid for their member a provider has access to through that platform. We find that for some of our very experienced providers, they might have developed their own platform um, and they don't wanna go to another platform to access data. And what we have for, for those providers is the ability to feed them raw data as well into their system. So success in value-based care is highly contingent upon a provider having data about their members. And this is one of the things that, that Humana has historically felt very strongly about. And we've been providing data to our providers for 
actually more years than I care to mention at this point. And I will like just take five, 30 seconds to mention when I first joined Humana, we used to deliver this information monthly via dot matrix printed reports that we would deliver uh, to providers on a, on a monthly basis. So now being able to say that we have a, a data platform where they can just log in and run their own reports how they want to see them, it's incredible to see the advancement we've made, even when it sometimes still feels a little overwhelming. That's, that's really fantastic to hear about that. And, I, you know, it really is interesting. So a, a question along this, sort of more into the care management piece of this thing. You know, often health plans have their own care managers in there, and they're trying to do a diabetes program or something else. Are you seeing that more delivered through these provider groups? Are you doing it? A little bit of both? How does that work? And if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Pop Health Week on Healthcare Now Radio. Our guest is Arita Roman, the Vice President for Value-Based Strategies at Humana. So I would say the, the short answer is a little bit of both. And some of it is really around meeting providers where they're at. And we always you know, like to think about it that we like to complement what our providers are doing, not compete with what they're doing. So if they have care managers and they're following up with patients, when patients get out of the hospital, we don't want the physician's office to call and Humana to call the next day. That tends to add confusion for patients and they're saying, why are you both calling me? So we do a lot of coordination with our providers to try to understand what are they doing? How do we complement them? So what you'll find is some geographies, um, and I'll mention Florida again, because Florida is so advanced, Providers do a significant amount of that work. Other parts of the country where value-based is not as predominant and providers haven't yet built the infrastructure to support that, we will do more of that work um, so that we're still helping them succeed with their patients. But So it takes a lot of coordination in, in figuring out what is the right mix. But it's something we think about a lot, like, how, again, how do we uh, complement but not compete? <laughs> mm -hmm. And as you, you mentioned, it's for those more sophisticated, let's say the Florida model, what's going on here more where they do it themselves. Does Humana ultimately see that service kind of moving and better functioning ultimately within these groups and as, as they move into more and more risk-based contracts? Do you anticipate that more and more of them will pick up that piece of the service? We are definitely finding um, that across the country, as providers get more experience, they have more resources to dedicate to these patients. We are seeing that they are doing um, more of that work, and we see a lot of success. Patients, you know, listen to their doctors. Sometimes, you know, as patients, we don't want to pick up the phone when our health plan calls, but if our physician's office calls, we will pick up that, that call. So it is a model that is significantly uh, growing across the country. Absolutely. That whole idea of having somebody who's within the practice or associated with the clinics or the healthcare system calling you makes it a little bit easier. Do you, I know also that Humana's gotten involved in value-based care models with specialists. Can you talk some about that as well? Absolutely. Um, and this has been uh, very exciting for us because as, as we saw the success 
we had in primary care, we looked at what were the right specialist programs? What could we launch in the specialty space? And starting in 2016, we launched our bundles programs. And, um, you know, that's something that different payers, including CMS, has tried um, bundled programs. We, again, started in 2016. That year, we had 17 providers, um, sorry, seven providers that participated with us in two states on a pilot for total joint replacement. Our bundles are retrospective episode-based models. So what that means is if you think about the total joint replacement, we work with our, and it, we work with our providers, so we don't work with the hospitals or other providers. We're working with the surgical group that is going to perform the total joint replacement in this case. And we, there is a, you know, physician that becomes responsible for that bundle, and we compare um, in a given year, their average cost for doing that procedure um, to a historical window um, uh, of cost and what then where they're able to achieve savings in providing outcomes, we share um, those savings with them. And we also look at clinical outcomes. So for all of our value-based models, we don't just focus on is there improved financial performance, but we look at were clinical outcomes also uh, maintained and or improved uh, within the model. So you can think about it um, as the, the clinical outcomes are kind of a quality gate to receiving the financial incentive. Um, for the program, we, as I said, we started with a total joint replacement uh, program, and we've actually now grown it to we have four different programs. Uh, our total joint replacement program is still the largest one, but we also have a maternity bundle, a spinal fusion bundle, and a cabbage bundle. So the program now has 1,600 providers from the seven that we started with across 27 states. So we've seen um, significant growth in those models. And obviously, when you put the quality measures in, you're now looking at a value-based type program where you're, you're looking at both the cost and the outcome. So that's great to hear. Uh, question on this, and it's kind of a technical one, I guess. As you're thinking through two issues I'm thinking about here, the first one is there's this whole concern of setting something based on a historical and then providers pulling the cost down and then their baseline changes and the case keeps going down until there's nothing left. Have you sort of figured out a way to solve that problem yet or has Humana worked on that? Yeah, so we do have, and we are seeing some of our, our oldest um, participants in the programs have, you know, initially saw year over year improvement and we have created within our models and as we think of new models we're very conscious of right not having that race to the bottom so some of our older programs do have uh, ways that we continue to pay for continued good performance even if there isn't incremental improvement and and we monitor that 
at, at the provider level and then, um, again, make payments for continued performance without expecting additional incremental improvement. If, if additional incremental improvement is gained, then the, you know, the, the payment would also reflect that. And, you know, I, I can share some, and, and we have seen, um, you know, significant in improvement. So, for example, our total joint replacement program, we're seeing a 30% reduction in readmissions for, for patients that get a surgery uh, from one of these providers versus our, our providers that don't participate um, in the programs. We're seeing um, spinal fusion. That readmission rate goes down by 39% for providers that participate in the program. So we're seeing, you know, same as our primary care models, we're seeing really great results and the ability to share in those savings uh, with our providers. So in 2020, as an example, 83% of our program participants earned a shared savings. And that payment on average was about a 29% increase from their traditional fee-for-service model. So we're seeing same thing we saw in primary care, that if we put the right incentives in place, there is benefit for our members because they're receiving higher quality care, but there's also a reward for our providers as they partner with us to do this work. And I know that that was a lot more than you asked, but I'm like, this is something I'm so passionate about that I start talking and I can't stop. No, this is great. And that's it. You know, the more the details, the better. Um, a quick question along those lines, too, is you have this bundled or capitated primary care physician. Let's say they're globally capitated. And then you've dropped in a bundled payment for specialty care. And I'm sure you've run into that. Are you seeing, does the, the primary care doctor get full credit for the work you've done on the bundle side, too? So we have, um, and you just uh, hit on one of the things that makes things really complicated now, right? That 68% of members that are tied to value-based providers, when we layer in other models on top of it, um, it is definitely, you know, a complication. And, and we're very intentional about the programs that we lay on top of the primary care models so they do have to provide value on their own and it needs to be for something that the pcp wasn't working on and and you know so that's why why don't we have 30 bundles um it's we've been intentional in having bundles that are discrete episodes of care that it is that specialty provider that can really control it and and what happens is you know if, if you want to think about it this way Without the bundled payment, the claims that would be getting charged to that PCP provider would be higher because the specialists haven't engaged in savings. So now when we create a bundled payment program, the claims that get paid for the actual service go down um, and those get charged to the PCP. So they're paying less in claims. They get charged for the shared savings that the specialist provider gets. So instead of getting a claim, that gets attributed to them, but net-net, they're still lower 
And that is why with these models, it is a shared savings model because we never want these programs. We don't want our PCPs to say, we don't see value in these programs. We don't wanna participate. So we're very thoughtful about the programs that we designed that layer on top of the primary care programs. Fascinating. And as you think about this, we've got about two, two and a half minutes left. On those, um, have you had any experiences as everybody's trying these different ideas? Some obviously like you, man, have got a fair amount of experience in it for quite a period of time. Are you, have you seen any things that you could talk about that don't work or maybe have been less successful? So where, we, where we've seen less success and, and we still have all of our, our bundled programs and we still have all of our primary care models, typically when we find that we don't have success is, and I'll start with the primary care side, is where we matched the wrong contract to a provider. And that is why we have a, you know, a full continuum and we spend a lot of time getting to know our providers and picking a contract that works for where they are operationally. So if you go in and too soon, for example, put a provider on full risk and they don't have the resources to manage it, that can lead to failure. So we've learned not to do that. Put providers where they can be successful, move down the continuum uh, together. So for us, um, that's usually the greatest mismatch is a provider might not be ready for the model that they're in. And then it's usually not how do we step away from the relationship in totality, but like how do we back up from where they are, get them successful and then help them grow their, their value-based um, penetration and, and performance. Mm-hmm. And, and quickly, for those providers who wanna get more involved in this type of work, what would you recommend they do? So. In all of our markets, we have um, provider contracting and provider engagement teams. Most providers know who to call locally. And and that is one of the greatest assets that we have at Humana is those local teams. So you have people like me sitting at corporate that help design uh, new programs, but we have local teams that markets can engage with. And they're the ones that really help them find the right relationship between Humana and their practices. So call your your local teams. Well, great. All right, I'd like to thank you for joining us on Pop Health Week. It's been a pleasure. I'd love to get you back and get deeper into some of this. Sounds good. Thank you. And back to you, Greg. And thank you, Fred. That is the last word on today's broadcast. I want to thank Arita Roman, the Vice President for Value-Based Strategies at Humana, for her time and insights today. Do follow Humana's Value-Based Care Initiatives on Twitter by at Humana and on the web via www.humana.com. And finally, if you're enjoying our work at Pop Health Week, please like the show on the podcast platform of your choice. Share with your colleagues and do consider subscribing to keep up with new episodes as they're posted. For Pop Health Week, my co-host Fred Goldstein, this is Greg Masters saying, stay safe everyone. Bye now.